Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates another amazing saint, one of the most famous saints in the Catholic tradition, and that is St. Francis of Assisi. Now, when people get a picture in their mind of St. Francis of Assisi, what do they picture? They picture you know, him talking to the birds, or they picture him with animals, they picture him out in nature, and brother, sun, and sister, moon, and you know, they think of, think of all these things about nature, the environment, animals, and, and, and okay, that, that there's a part of that that expresses who Francis was, but that's not the heart, that's not the very center of who he was. Very few people ever think about the cross when it comes to Francis. And yet it was the cross that was the center of his spiritual life. It was the turning point in his walk with God. It was a key part of his conversion story, the cross. And it wasn't just the cross in general. It was the suffering Jesus, seeing Jesus giving everything, everything to God out of love. That That's a lot more challenging. You know, in other words, Many people love the whole, you know, nature-loving Francis, right? Because it's easier to hug your dog than it is to encounter Jesus in the cross. It's easier to go on a nature walk or enjoy a beautiful sunset than it is to pick up your cross every day and follow Jesus like Francis did. And what we're going to do is take a look at the real Francis, the real St. Francis of Assisi, a man who was in love with the cross And he found his happiness, his joy, his fulfillment in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. I want to welcome any new listeners joining us for the first time, especially those from two cities where I was at this last week. First of all, Colorado Springs. My wife, Beth, and I, we got to go down and do a marriage conference down in the diocese there. So a wonderful group of married couples coming together. And we spoke on our book, The Good, The Messy, and The beautiful, the joys and struggles of real married life. And there's a lot of joys and there's a lot of struggles. And it's beautiful when we really live marriage in the midst of all those daily struggles that come into married life. So that was a lot of fun getting to speak with Beth and present with her to these married couples down in Colorado Springs. And then I was also at this amazing gathering, over 2,000 people gathered in the Philadelphia Eucharistic Congress this past weekend. It was awesome uh, to be able to have uh, at the conference that we got the mother of Blessed Carlo Acutis from Assisi. Uh, You know, if you know the story of Blessed Carlo, he you know, did so much to promote Eucharistic devotion. And so as the U.S. bishops are preparing for this big Eucharistic Congress next summer in Indianapolis, many dioceses like Philadelphia are doing these big Eucharistic Congresses, gathering people together to celebrate the Eucharist, to understand the Eucharist so we can live the mystery of the Eucharist better. And what an awesome event it was to be able to be with the mother of Blessed Carlo, who did so much to promote Eucharistic devotion. I was able to give a presentation while I was there. I was speaking on a new book I have. You may have seen it. It's called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Question and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist. And so I wrote this book wanting to prepare, helping prepare our hearts for the big Eucharistic Congress. So it's a book for families to use, parishes to use, pastoral ministries to use, dioceses to use. And there are a lot of wonderful resources coming out about the Eucharist, and, and that's so good to have so many resources available to, to help us understand better and live better this central mystery of the faith. I'll say the one thing I'm noticing is that it makes my 
particular book here uh, may be unique is that it's in a question-answer format. We, we purposely put it into short question-and-answer format to make it really, really easy for a, a junior high, high school kid to be able to read, for the average person in the pew that maybe doesn't have a lot of catechesis about the Catholic faith, that they can come to learn the great gift of the Eucharist, the real presence of the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass, the mystery of Holy Communion and Eucharistic devotion outside of Mass, how important this is for our walk as Catholics. And i um, so excited to have this out. It's available at ascensionpress.com. They also have bulk pricing. So if you are involved in a men's group, a Bible study group, a women's group, you can get this at bulk discounted rates. Uh, if you want to get this for your whole family and you know children and grandchildren and brothers and sisters, you can get it at a bulk rate. Uh, if you are involved in any kind of parish ministry like RCIA, maybe you're involved with sacramental prep, maybe you're involved with First Communion prep or adult faith formation in your parish, this could be a resource that you can easily give out. It's really short, very easy for every person to be able to step into. In the, the question and answer format, I, I'm hearing from people, many parish leaders have told me, wow, the question and answer format, that that makes that's that's where my people are at. I need something to help unlock the mystery of the Eucharist. It's not like reading a whole book. The QA format breaks it down, makes it really easy. So check it out. It's called Behold the Lamb of God, 60 Questions and Answers on the Mystery of the Eucharist. And you can find that at ascensionpress.com, ascensionpress.com, and they have bulk pricing there as well. Well, as we're in the midst, you've heard me talk about this 30-day prayer challenge. Well, we, we just got started here in October. It was great to do the Facebook Live event this week and uh, meet a number of people uh, online and, and see so many people. I've been talking just around the country about this, and so many people are wanting to rekindle their prayer life. So I want to encourage you if, you, if you haven't started and it's still early October and you just want to jump in, feel free to jump in and commit to 30 days of prayer, 30 days of quiet time, meditation, Lexio Divina, reflection. You can you can join me that I'll be talking about that more later this month. But I want to turn to the saint that, that we're looking at here this week in the Catholic Church, St. Francis of Assisi. It's his great feast day. He's one of the most famous of all the saints, but not as many people know about his interior life. They know about his love for the poor, his love for lepers. They know about his simplicity, his austerity, and they know about his love for nature and seeing God in creation. <laughs> but all of that is good. But, but, but we want to get to the heart of who this man was. And he was a man that loved the cross. This is a man that wanted to give everything to God and was so moved by his own personal encounter with Jesus in the cross. And I want I want to bring us into his interior life. I want to, I want to, I want us to get to know the real St. Francis, to get to know his soul. And I'm going to break down a few practical points that we could take away to live uh, the life of St. Francis in our own daily lives today. How can we imitate the the holiness of Francis? practically, as an ordinary layperson living in the midst of this world, how can I learn to live what, what Francis discovered in a, in, a, in a more profound way? How can I live it in my daily life today? So first of all, I want to turn to a, a famous story about how Francis begged God to reveal his will. That's going to be the, the first point I want to make, is that if we want to imitate Francis, we want to be the kind of men and women who beg God to reveal his will. We don't just say, oh, I hope to do God's will. We don't just say the Our Father, you know, thy will be done. You know, we we actually are are constantly seeking out what is it that God wants for me? 
What is it that God wants? I think too often we seek our own will. We make big to-do lists and we develop plans and plans for our household, plans for our family, plans for a renovation at the home or plans for our business, plans for the workplace, plans for our kids and their education and plans for the relationships we have. We come up with all of our plans. We make to-do lists. We spend a lot of time scheming about what we want to get done in life. But are we the kind of men and women that turn to God regularly and say, Lord, what do you want for my marriage? What do you want for my kids? What is your plan for them, Lord? Am I listening to the Lord? Lord, what is it that you want for this child? Lord, what is it that you want for this, this friendship? Or what is it that you want for my parish? Do I just come in and hey, I think our parish needs to use this program. I was blessed by this program and I want everyone in my parish to get to use it. Am I coming in with my plan all the time? My parish should do this. Or do I listen to God and say, Lord, how do you want me to serve my parish? What are you inviting me to do for my parish? Do we listen to the Lord and seek his will? St. Francis was someone who begged God to reveal his will. He didn't beg God for his own will. There are many Christians today that pursue their own dream. I've got this plan. This is my dream. I want this. And God, you help me with my dream. <laughs> that, that, that's not how Francis approached God. That's not how the saints approached God. They sought God's plan for their lives first. And they certainly asked God to help them and give them the grace to do the mission that they were called to. But they fundamentally came to God as a beggar. How can I use my life, Lord, for your purposes, not my own? What is your plan for me? Because your plan is always going to be bigger, better, more amazing than anything I could come up with. Do you know the, 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 the moment where Francis... You know, critical moment, season of his life when he was begging God the most. It was early on in his life. He went to the church of San Damiano, which was kind of, a, if you've ever been to Assisi, it's not at the upper part. It's just, it's on the hillside there. And he was there praying at the uh, before the altar. And he was begging God to reveal his will. And this is that famous story we often hear about where God, you know, Jesus speaks to, to Francis and says, Francis, go repair my church for as you can see, it's falling into ruins. And Francis thinks he's talking about the Church of San Damiano is, you know, needs some repairs. And so he's going to get a bunch of stone and try to repair the church. And then he eventually realizes, no, Jesus was talking about the church as a whole. The universal church was struggling (laughs) and it needed a great saint to return it to its roots. So many people are familiar with that story, but what they don't know is what was happening in those days and weeks as Francis would go before the cross. He would go before the altar there and, and beg God to reveal his will. Listen to one of the beautiful prayers Francis recited. He said, Most high glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart and give me true faith, certain hope, and perfect charity. Give me perception and knowledge, Lord, that I may carry out your holy and true command. It's a beautiful prayer, beautiful disposition of humility and of really seeking God's will, God's plan. I think many times we go before God and we turn to him and say, Lord, help me with this problem. Help fix this thing for me and help me get this thing that I want in the workplace or at my parish or with my family. I want this, Lord. Help me get this done. We come to God begging God to help us achieve what we want. Francis was someone that noticed just, he just, Lord, glorious God, 
enlighten the darkness of my heart. I mean, he, he humbly recognizes maybe the thing I want, the thing I'm seeking, isn't what, what you want. Francis had great desires. He wanted to do great things. He wanted to be a knight. And there was a sense in which being a knight back then involved serving the church. Like he, he, there were many knights that would go on a crusade, you know? And so there, there, was, there was kind of a spiritual component to it. So he could say, I'm to, I want to do something good for CZ. I want to do something good for the church. And I, I want to join a crusade. I want to be a knight. But, but Francis was someone that surrendered his dreams. And he, he, he understood that he's a fallen human being. And while he may aspire to something that's noble and good and could serve, it may not be the way God wants him to serve. It may not be God's plan for him to do this. So he, he in this prayer, he says, enlighten the darkness of my heart. You know, I, I, I have darkness. I might not be seeing correctly. Give me true faith, certain hope, perfect charity, Give me perception and knowledge, Lord, that I may carry out your holy and true command. It was, Francis is the kind of man that knows he has original sin. He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't just trust his own desires and what's on his heart. You know, oh, I, this is on my heart. I want to do this. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's what God wants. On Francis's heart was to be a knight. I want to be a knight. But God had other plans for him, had a bigger plan for Francis. Francis recognized that. He recognized that he might not have, his desires might not be God's desires. And so he humbly goes before God, before this cross in the church of San Damiano, the famous, now we call it the Franciscan cross, the San Damiano cross. But he's begging God, show me, show me your will. Let's be men and women that imitate Francis in that way. Whatever desire we have for our career, desire we have for our family, a desire we have for the church, even if it's noble, present it before God and say, Lord, I might not be seeing this right. I want to do your will. I want to do your will. Show me what your plan is, Lord. And, and it was through this encounter with the cross that Francis is contemplating Christ's passion day after day in front of this cross. And he finds himself weeping uncontrollably and desiring to give himself completely to the crucified Christ. So that's the first point I want to draw out is he's a man that begs God to reveal his will. He's not attached to his own plan, his own will, his own dream. He's seeking God's will. Secondly, he's a person that then seeking God in the midst of events that unfold in his life, opportunities where he's sensing God is inviting him to love, to be more generous, to serve more. So again, notice Francis and someone, hey, I got a plan. This is how I'm going to renew the church. And I want to do this. God, will you help me? We're going to see, no, no, he's seeking God's will. And he does that in prayer. He does it before the cross. But he's also looking for God's will in the things that unfold in his life. And I'm going to share just two stories here. You, you may have heard these stories before once. You know, again, he wanted to be a knight and he got sick and he was coming home from battle and you know, it wasn't, it didn't go well for him. He wasn't able to do what he wanted to do on the battlefield. But as he's coming home, he sees a knight and there was a knight that was going off to battle, but he was ill clad. He didn't have the proper garb, the proper clothing for a knight. And Francis came from more, a more well-to-do family and he had the beautiful robes of a, or beautiful garments of a knight. And he chose to give up, give up his own garments to give it to this other knight. So he gave his nice knightly garb to, to the knight that was ill-clad. 
And it was like one of these early moments, and this is depicted in the Church of St. Francis by the famous frescoes by Giotto. It's one of those early moments in Francis's life where he's living not for himself, living not just for his own plan and for his own dream, but to, to start serving and living for someone else. And so he, he says, all right, I'm going to help this man. I'm going to give up my own and I'll give this to this knight. Now there's a more dramatic event that happens later. And this is when he sees the leper on the road. You've you probably heard the story, but this is, I want you to enter into the depths of the story though. Maybe you don't know all the particulars. It wasn't just he bumped into a leper. You need to know about something about Francis. Francis was particularly repulsed by lepers. Like this was something really, really hard for him. And, and he sees this leper and he's tempted to just look away, to turn away, to not engage the leper. He's tempted to just, you know, I just want to ignore, it's just too unsightly. It's too painful for me to look at. But he rises above his feelings and he chooses to get off his horse and go do the thing that was most repulsive to him. He goes up to the leper and he kisses the leper. He doesn't just say hi to the leper. He doesn't just throw the leper some coins from on high of his horse and keep moving on down the road. He actually stops the horse, gets off the horse, walks up to the leper, touches the leper, and kisses him. I mean, this is like, he's doing everything that is like opposed to what his feelings are telling him to do. And I think this is an important thing to remind us of, that we want to be like Francis. We want to be men and women who can rise above our feelings. Whatever our feelings are, those come and go. That's not, that's not where we, we encounter God. In fact, many times God invites us to do things that we don't have strong feelings about. That's why, again, it's so important that we don't just always run with our dream and this is my passion. This is what makes me come alive. And, you know, there's a truth to some of that in part, but we got to be careful because God often invites us to do hard things. This did not make Francis come alive. <laughs> this was really, really hard for Francis. What's the leper thing in your life right now? It could be something small, you know, like as a dad, I have to tell you the one of the things that I'm most repulsed by is vomit. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever shared that on the show, but I, I, I really, I struggle with vomit. I just can't, I can't handle it. I, I lose it, like the smell of vomit. I'll just, I'll just really like if a kid throws up in the house, my, my poor wife, she's, she's had to deal with like 99% of the vomit in this house for you know, t- almost 25 years of our marriage. So <laughs> God bless Beth. But I will, I'll tell you, there was a time I remember Beth was, she was away. I think she was leading one of her retreats and I was in charge and sure enough, a kid threw up and I, I had to just love my child and just, just it, it felt like a Francis moment with the leper for me because I'm I'm so weak I'm just I'm so pathetic you could pray for me um, but but anyway, but for me it was I don't know I guess it was a pretty heroic moment because I went and I took care of the vomit cleaned everything up washed the sheets and everything and it was really hard but but I did it and Beth came back she goes she heard from the kids what what Dad did and she couldn't believe it <laughs> so I, I I did that once you know so I I can't say I have a great track record of instinctively doing that in my family life I need to get better there. But what's the, you know, it could be something small like that, or maybe it's something more serious than vomit. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. And man, you, you've been holding this grudge against this person. You've kind of said in your heart, you forgive them, but not really. You haven't forgiven them deeply from your heart, as the Bible says. Maybe that that's your leper. Or maybe it's, you know, your, your kids just need your attention and you're tired, you're exhausted, and you'd rather just scroll on your phone 
and look at Instagram or watch your favorite ESPN highlights, but your kids are starving for you and they want, they're looking to you and they want to, they want you to look in their eye and not be so distracted by your phone. Maybe, maybe you just need to, to do the hard thing and just be with your kids and do the dishes and cook for them and discipline them and change their diapers. I mean, that, that could be just hard stuff and I'd rather just run away to Instagram land or I'd lo- run away to YouTube or Netflix. I'd rather run away and just text someone, but maybe I need to rise above those feelings and serve. Maybe that's where God's inviting me. Francis was the kind of person that didn't just hang out in nature. He loved and did hard things. He rose above his initial feelings, his initial emotions. And, and that's where sanctity resides. I love, there's a great line from St. Therese, the saint we looked at last week, where she says, love consists in this, rising above our feelings. Where is God inviting you to rise above your feelings? Where you dread doing something, you're afraid of doing something, you don't like doing something, but you know you just need to do it. That's where we love Jesus. We love him in there in our crosses. Yes, we love him at mass. We love him at adoration. That's the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. But he's also present to us in those crosses, in the lepers of our lives that come our way, in the events that unfold in our daily lives. So that's the second point. So first point, imitating Francis, let's beg God to reveal his will. Secondly, let's uh, look for those opportunities to love, to rise above our feelings and not just do what we like all the time. And I'm going to give a third point here. I want to talk about how Francis sold his horse. (laughs) Let's talk about selling the horse because God may be inviting you to sell your horse. What do I mean by this? Let me tell you the story. Um, So Francis is growing in his conversion. Things are starting to take off, you know, in his spiritual life. But then there's a crusade that's announced. There's a crusade and all of his old buddies are going to go on this crusade. And he, remember, he has that desire. That's his dream to be a knight. And so he thinks, well, all right, you know, maybe I could do that and be spiritual still. And, you know, and so he's thinking about wanting to go and, and, and go off and be a knight. And he's tempted to go back to his old ways, seeking worldly glory and honor as a knight. But then he has a dream. And in this dream, he, he envisions Jesus. Jesus you know, is pointing to this palace. There's a great knightly palace that has all the, you know, knightly armor and this could be this could be Francis. Francis could have all that. And I love Giotto depicts this image in the the Church of St. Francis in Assisi. And I love it in in the you see Francis sleeping and Jesus is pointing, pointing to the the palace and basically saying, Do you want that? Do you want the palace? Because you can have that. You could you could go and go back to your ways of trying to be a knight. You can live your dream. If you want to follow your dream, you can go do that and go go be a knight. And, and go on this crusade and go with all your friends and you'll have a lot of praise. You'll get a lot of worldly honor, worldly wealth, worldly comforts, worldly glory. If that's what you want, Francis, you can have that. But I want to offer you so much more than anything the world can give you. What do you want to do? <laughs> I love that. that. That's how I reflect on that, that particular image. It's my favorite of all of the images Giotto depicts from the life of Francis there in Assisi. And um, it was, this is another big turning point for Francis. He decides to sell his horse. He w- wakes up from that dream and he commits his life to this new way of following Jesus fully, following the cross, and he sells his horse. Now, what does that mean to sell the horse? Well, 
the horse was like, this is, this is what you need. You know, this is like, you know, if you're a soldier, you know, going out on a big battlefield, you know, this is your machine gunner, this is your tank, <laughs> you know, uh, and Francis is selling his horse. He's basically saying, I'm not going to be a knight. I'm breaking with my past. This is a definitive break. I choose to give this up. Here's my question for you. What's, what's the horse in your life? What's the thing that's holding you back? Like you're following Jesus, but not fully. You're still clinging on to something from your past, something that isn't, you're not all in with Jesus. You're 50% in, maybe 70% in, but you're not all in. And it's this thing that's holding you back. Maybe that's your career. Maybe there's something going on in your career. You are aspiring to a certain status, a certain position, but it's, it's just weigh, weighing on you and you're having to compromise so much in your spiritual life, in your family life. And you just need to say, you know what? I, I, I've always wanted that big thing, that big dream, that big trophy, but God has something so much better for me. Maybe I'm not going to aspire to take that next step because it's going to cost too much in my spiritual life. It's going to cost too much in my marriage. It's going to cost too much in my family life. And I know there's greater glory when I follow God's plan and I live my vocation well. So I'm not going to let my career get in the way. Maybe that's selling your horse. Or maybe there's some show you're watching that you know you should be watching. And you just, but you just keep going back to it. And, and maybe deep down, you know, I, I just need to del- delete my Netflix account. Maybe I, 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 I'm too tempted. It's too available. I just need to delete it. You've thought that thought before, but you always rationalize and say, no, no, it's not that big. I can manage it. But maybe you're at a point that God's inviting you to sell your horse and delete your Netflix account because it's too much of a distraction for you. You waste so much time binge watching time you could be spending with God, with friends, with family, and you just need to delete the account. I, I was just, when I was at Oklahoma State, I met a whole group of students that deleted their Instagram. Yeah, they, 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 they just said, admitted that they wasted so much time on it, it caused them a lot of comparison and anxiety and stress, and they just didn't want it anymore. And so they got rid of their Instagram account. It was incredible. I'm not saying everyone's called to do that, but that was their horse, and they had the courage to do that. Maybe there's a certain relationship you're in that's not that's not good for you. It's not healthy. Maybe you know you you kind of you just want you don't like being alone, so you're still dating this person, but deep down you know this isn't the one and you just know you you need to end this relationship. Or maybe you're married and there's someone at your parish or in your workplace that you have a certain attachment to. You know, you're you're, you're not having an affair, but you really like this person's attention. If you care about that person's attention, you care about what he or she thinks of you and how you look when you're with them. That's a sign you are attached in a sinful way and you need to bring that to confession and you need to just make the break and just say, I, I am not going to seek any time with this person. You, you need to go out of your way and avoid that person so you can give your heart fully to your spouse. Maybe that's the horse you need to, <laughs> you need to get rid of. Whatever it is, we all have things that hold us back, that keep us from giving God everything. Let's be like Francis. Yes, let's Praise God for the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, beautiful. But remember, Francis is so much more than the nature saint. He is a saint that gave everything. He gave everything. He sought God's will, not his own dreams and his own plans. He sought God in his will unfolding in his life and opportunities to love, to rise above his own feelings, his own desires, his own emotions, and to sacrifice and love. And he was willing to sell his horse. (laughs) Are we willing to give God everything? What is keeping us from taking that next step in our walk with the Lord? 
let's 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 sell that horse. Let's make a commitment and follow Jesus. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. If you want to learn more about St. Francis and the spiritual life for any of the saints, uh, check out my book. This is the book I'm using in the 30-Day Prayer Challenge. It's called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. Again, if you're looking for 30 short reflections, something to jumpstart your spiritual life and bring you into the great tradition of the saints, uh, you can check out my book here. You can get it at ascensionpress.com. It's called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. I talk about St. Francis and many other saints there, and you can get the book at ascensionpress.com. That's ascensionpress.com. 